Welcome to At The Horn, the podcast devoted to the University of Pikeville women's basketball program. I'm your host, Willard Nip, and on this episode, I'll be joined by U-Pike head coach Clifton Williams. Together, we will look back at a busy week for the Bears, which included a road trip to Georgetown, Campbellsville, and home makeup game with Freed Hardeman. In our second segment, Coach Williams will provide an overview of the NAIA's national tournament, how it's changed over the last couple of years, and what the Mid-South Conference might expect in terms of the number of bids it may receive. We'll look ahead to the week to come, where the Bears' schedule has changed considerably after adverse weather conditions affected portions of our region. I'll update the Mid-South Conference standings, and Coach Williams and I will discuss what they could mean for the postseason conference tournament. We'll update some important team statistics and the Buckets for Backpacks Challenge, all on this episode of At The Horn. Welcome back to At The Horn. This past week saw the Bears play three games in the span of five days. It opened with a road trip to Georgetown and Campbellsville and ended with Pikeville hosting Freed Hardeman in a contest that had to be rescheduled due to inclement weather from earlier in the season. The road trip did not get off to a good start, with the Bears losing to Georgetown by a significant margin, but the team bounced back in a huge way with a great upset win over number 4-ranked Campbellsville and what is easily the team's best win of the year. The team brought that momentum from that win back with them to Pikeville, and it carried over with a nice victory over a good Freed Hardeman team. Let's hear Coach Williams' take on these three games. We traveled to Georgetown, day trip, um, it normally is a, a day trip game for us, and it's a rivalry game, uh, you know, and we did play them close here, but this is an interesting week we're looking at. We had Georgetown. We go to Campbellsville on Saturday. I think Georgetown had just come out of receiving votes. I'm not sure. Campbellsville is ranked four, and we knew we had coming home to play Freed, who was, I believe, had replaced oh, Georgetown in the polls. Um, we come out of the gate. It was a close game in the, the first half, really. Right. And what we what we have been doing well, we didn't do well in this game, and that was finished quarters, right? The first quarter gets away from us. They hit a three. They hit a two. It's a five-point game. The second quarter got away from us at the end as well. Um, so there's a little bit of separation here. You know, we've got a, what, a seven-point game at halftime. Halfway through the third, you know, we're not playing well. We're not shooting the ball well. You know, we're, we're, we're just, we're not on our A game. Right. We're struggling. You, you mentioned the end of quarters, and that was a very key moment. You had a five-point lead uh, with a little over four minutes to play in the first quarter. Right. And, and still had a, a one-point lead, your last lead of the game, with uh, 57 seconds left in the first quarter after Mary hits a layup. They get a three-pointer to go up to time winding down a missed layup with 14 seconds left that would have tied the score at, at 19, and then they come down and get to three. Yep. And now it's a five-point. That's a, that's a big swing and a big momentum thing. I mean, we, we talk about it, you know, as we prepare um, o- over the course of the year. You know, we talk about finishing. That's a big word in our program. It's a big word in a lot of programs. But but what's the action behind that? And and finishing quarters is huge. You know, it's we break a, we break a four-quarter game down – into each by each quarter. And then there's times when we'll break that quarter down into subsets of minutes, right? We want to win the next four, right? But when we look at the end of the quarter, you know, the specific actions we want to run based on what, what, how they're defending us. And, you know, there's specific defensive actions we want to be able to take in terms of rebounding the first miss, 
you know, and applying the proper ball pressure just so, you know, we can put ourselves in position to win that quarter. So we, we moved ahead down to the fourth quarter. The game's gotten away. Yep. And this is something that, that never gets talked about. Uh, but that's a that's a long stretch to sit there on a the bench watching a game get away from you. It's, it's got to be frustrating. So at that point, as a coach, your, does your mindset go, okay, this one's gotten away. We start thinking about Saturday or what can we redeem out of this game? What's your mindset as a coach? No, I'm trying to – I start thinking about a whole lot of things, right? Like, And it starts with us as a coaching staff, right? Like – did we, where do we fall short in our preparation? Um, you know, are there some things that we missed about this game? You know, and, and I go back and look at the box score for them, right? And they were really efficient in this game offensively. Uh, they were highly efficient offensively. They're a very talented basketball team. So, you know, we'll pat them on the back. But then when we evaluate ourselves and look at it, you know, defensively, we didn't, we didn't, probably as a team, we did not handle our business as well as we have, you know, in the recent past. And so areas where we look to improve starts there. It's a tough game. Nobody likes to get, you know, lose by double digits. And, and so we, we certainly didn't play a complete game there. And, and so we have to learn from our shortcomings in this particular game and then set our sights on a quick turnaround on Saturday for a really tough team on the road. And that brings us to the Campbellsville game, number four ranked Campbellsville, uh, two losses on the season. Uh, quick turnaround. So yeah. for the fan that watches the, quite frankly, the Kentuckys, the Louisvilles of the world, well, they'll play on Tuesday or Wednesday, and then they'll play again on Saturday or Sunday. Right. They're not familiar with the quick turnaround until we talk postseason when teams will play on back-to-back days or every other day. Correct. That's this is the Norman conference life though Thursday Saturday games. But we, let's clarify that it's Monday now, Thursday and Saturday. Now, now it's Monday Thursday and, Saturday. And so that adds another element to it in terms of figuring out when you can get your kids some rest, whether it's physically uh, and or mentally. So you make the bus ride Friday morning uh, from Georgetown to Campbellsville. Yep. How do you flip the script? You just come off of probably one of the more disappointing performances of the year, honestly. Just a. a Struggled, challenged, the, the, not what you wanted. And you face a huge challenge in Campbellsville. How do you get ready? Well, first things first, it's freezing cold when we left Georgetown <laughs> on Friday morning. It's snowing. And, you know, we, we had to make sure that the bus, that the heat was on, and we weren't going to freeze for the first hour of that ride. So um, kudos to Sam, our bus driver. He, he, he had the bus warm and ready for us to go. We went straight from our bus ride to practice. We went straight to the gym. We had about an hour on paper that we wanted to get through. We need to get some shooting in. We wanted to shake off last night, review it, and then go through um, our drills and our game plan for the game on Saturday. Uh, we knew we weren't going to do a shoot around on Saturday morning for a two o'clock game. We'd rather let our kids sleep in a little bit and do our pregame meal at 10 a.m. We stuck to our routine. You know, as a testament to, you know, the young women in our program, they were locked in for this game. And this is a team that you've played well. Campbellsville has been a dominant national power uh, over the last several years, but you've gone toe-to-toe with them. You, you had them right here, right down at the buzzer, uh, so to speak. We've, we've flirted with, uh, with beating this team for the last few years. Uh, it's not just this year where, you know, we, we, we had a lead in the fourth quarter and they hit one with a couple of seconds left. You know, last year there – we're down 20 in the second half 
and then we have a shot to tie at the end of the game. Uh, it happened the same way the year before. Uh, they got us by 10 here, but that was free throws at the end. So we've been flirting with this, with, with these guys. And so our kids went in there with a lot of confidence. You know, Mary and Sierra, AJ and Haley Free, they've been playing against these guys for four years now, mm -hmm. right? They understand what it takes, what it's going to take, the kind of effort it's going to take, the kind of execution it's going to take to compete uh, with a team like Campbellsville. Come out, and it's immediately clear from the get-go, this is going to be a war. Four ties in the first quarter. They get off to a three-point lead. You tie. Uh, tied at three, tied at eight, tied at 10, tied at 12 at the end of the quarter. Take on the first quarter. They set the tone. Like, it, it set the tone, and, and it was defensively. So, we if you paid attention to us all year long, we've come out and started most games in our, our matchup, our tandem zone, right? We And we didn't start that way. We played Campbellsville a, a heck of a lot of zone uh, the last few times we played. It didn't happen that way this time. We came out, man, a lot of ball pressure, defending their man action, and then rebounding the first miss as much as possible. Uh, our kids were locked in and ready to go. Second quarter, more of the same. Five ties in the second quarter. Uh, 13 seconds left in the half. Leanna McNulty uh, drops one out of two free throws to give you a 29-28 halftime advantage. So go back to the end of the first quarter as you look at your sheet here and look at how that end of the first quarter finished and look at how the second quarter finished compared to the Georgetown game. Leanna McNulty hits a layup to tie to 12 and they miss, we get the defensive rebound end of the first quarter. End of the second quarter. Yeah, 13 seconds left. Yes, Leanna, Leanna gets to the line. Two free she makes one or two. We go and get a stop, get a rebound, and that puts us up at halftime and allows us to win the quarter. Right. Right? So there was a stark difference in how we finished quarters at the beginning of this game as opposed to the Georgetown game. What makes a difference? If you just look at the Georgetown game, and you look at our performance and, and you look at it and you're like, well, we just weren't locked in. Our effort wasn't there. And when I look back and look at both games, I think some of our – we were peeking ahead. I think we were looking ahead a little bit to the Georgetown game, which takes our – to the Campbellsville game, I'm sorry, which takes our focus away from the Georgetown game. You can't have laser focus in two places at once. Right. It doesn't work that way. Not to make an excuse by any means, but that's just a natural part. You know, when, when you have circled an opponent on your calendar, you know, you tend to keep eyes there. I and, love and you, there's Coach a countdown. Pete. Yeah, I love I love what coaches say, oh, no, we're not looking ahead. And, no, I, and I think that, that that played a part in, you know, the contrast that fans saw, you know, from the outside in both of these games. As always, the, the opening minutes of the third quarter are critical. You've made halftime adjustments. They've made halftime adjustments. Right. And we continue, but we continue toe-to-toe. -to -toe. Neither team can really get a significant advantage until a little more than midway through the third quarter. You begin to get just a bit of separation. Go from a, a one-point lead, stretch it out to six, make it seven with two minutes and 25 seconds to go in the third quarter, and end up closing out the quarter up four. Tell me about the third quarter. They started. They stayed in the zone early in the third quarter which is fine for us. But then they made an adjustment to the zone. They showed us a 2-3 front as opposed to the tandem, like they had, you know, single player high and one right behind them. Uh, and what that did was open the middle of the floor 
So take a look at Mary English numbers in the third quarter. And this is how we were able to attack them and to separate. Four out of four from the field, six out of six from the three throw line, 14 points. Major production. Major contribution. They yeah. dropped off of her, covered the three, right? Tried to cover Morgan down low and just said, okay, they dared her to make it. And that she wasn't even it. hitting the rim. Yeah. It wasn't even hitting the rim. All right. So we go to the fourth quarter. You've got a four-point lead. You know you're going to get a massive tsunami from Campbellsville at some point along that fourth and, quarter. And not just me. Our kids know. Sure. AJ comes in the huddle. She's like, you know, they're going to make a run. Stay locked in. Like, Love that. I don't have to. Well, I mean, this is it. This is what being locked in looks like, right? And and it's been that way the last couple of games. It's the same way last night. Like, you know, I go into a timeout in the huddle, and they're already talking what needs to happen on the floor, right? I'm just tying up loose ends and getting them back out. And and when that's happening, you have an opportunity to do special things. If you had told me, though, as, as I'm watching that fourth quarter unfold, if you had handed me the box score – and, and covered up the final numbers and said, we're going to go two out of 10 from the field in the fourth quarter. Uh, I, I'm not sure I would have liked my chances, but going nine out of 10 from the free throw line certainly helps. We've been good from the free throw line all year long, and we've just gotten better over the course of the conference season. Point one four in the fourth quarter, though, they were eight out of 14 in Correct. the fourth quarter. That's it. And that speaks to how hard that group had to work defensively to try to stop us because at that point where Mary goes off mm -hmm. and has 14, now they switch to man. Now they got to guard us in our man stuff in the half court. The lead gets to as many as 10, 244. Mary knocks down two free throws. Yep. As AJ said, coming into the huddle, you know, they're going to make a run. Yeah. Well, we were up 10, right? And, and so I think we had two timeouts left at that point, right? So if you really want to set this up, let's take a look. We knew that, that they were going to bring pressure. It was about being able to handle that pressure without turning the ball over. So when you play Campbellsville, you've got to look at your turnover numbers, right? Did you take care of the basketball? We also, against the press, we wound up missing a layup in there, something, a bunny that we normally get right. that would have helped separate, you know. And, and so learning how to win and finish – games on the road against championship teams it's hard but we never panicked we knew when we were in a three possession game we knew when it was a two possession game we knew when it was one and we knew how we were going to finish biggest win of the year that's been yeah i would say so i mean biggest win you know for us in quite some time when you look at how high it's a top five team which brings the follow-up question biggest win since you've been at UPI? no we haven't had that yet that's a regular season game. Um, that 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 win certainly put us in a position to make a climb. So you come home off of the upset win over Campbellsville, a team that, as you said, you knew you could. You just had to do it, and you did it. So now you've got Freed Hardeman. You're in the part of the schedule now where you're seeing teams twice You've seen you've seen Georgetown twice. You've seen Campbellsville twice, but you hadn't seen Freed Hardeman at all. I saw a lot of tape, but we hadn't seen him in person. We hadn't played him yet, right? So you come out and get off to a really good start in this ball game. We we knew what to expect. We knew how do we wanted to go at them, where we wanted to keep the ball on the floor offensively, how we were going to defend. Sierra came out of the gate, 
<clears throat> excuse me, she came out of the gate hot for us, got us going. But we knew they were tough. They were a tough defensive team. They were physical in the paint. It was going to be physical on the perimeter as well. Um, you know, they they were holding teams. They held Campbellsville in the 50s at home. We were going to have to earn it. We have to take it from them. Get off to the eight to nothing start, which is a great way to get out of the gate. But as you said, you know, these guys are no pushover. So the end of the first quarter, it's 14 11. I it sounds cliche to say when we talk about the Mid South, but I mean, every game, every game is a battle. You have to be locked in, prepared, and, and ready to compete at a high level. Second quarter, again, off to a good start. Four and a half minutes to go. You have an eight-point lead, 21-13. But they make their comeback, and they go up two uh, and, and take that two-point lead in the halftime at 27-25. Yeah, it's, it's, they went 50% uh, from the field in the second quarter, and they attacked the paint. You know, and, and so we, we talk about, we get buried inside. You know, just don't foul. Contest it as best you can. They're young. They have a really good freshman post player uh, who was finishing over her left shoulder really well. Yes. And was able to elevate on that turnaround, and uh, she was tough. She was a good player. I was impressed with, with her performance. Um, we got pretty good post players, too. Uh, indeed. Second quarter, uh, Morgan comes up big for you, as you mentioned. Three points, but six rebounds. She just owned that paint in the, in the second quarter. She out-rebounded them two to one by herself. The rebound numbers for the game are, are just staggering when you look at them. 20, I think it's 45 25. It's, it's, I mean, that's only in your glass. We had two double doubles in this game. Morgan has a double double with 17 rebounds. Mary has a double double with 10 rebounds. Sierra's numbers were what? 17 points, eight rebounds. How many assists? Three assists. I mean, ball control. She took care of the basketball. She was excellent in the pick and roll. Her decision making in the second half really was the key for us going down the stretch lock in then and the coming into the third quarter and you you do what you need to do you begin to pull away from them you you come back take the lead and begin to pull away and end up taking a five-point advantage going into the final quarter what makes the difference in that third quarter from two down to five up it was that game was really tactical because we like it turned into a half court game. There wasn't a whole lot of transition buckets, you know, right. to be had. Right. And and so we got to execute. So we knew we wanted to keep the ball in the middle of the floor for the pick and roll. We knew if we got an advantage that late in the game we were going to go to our continuous pick and roll, get the ball side to side, and make them guard. And and that's how we wanted to attack them. So we had to execute. We ran we ran a set for AJ that we call punch, and it's just we get movement. We set a little pin down for her. She gets up high outside the three-point line. We get her the ball, and Morgan chases into a high ball screen for her. Well, they made the mistake of going under that ball screen, and that's what we were counting on. We were looking for that. And so she set her feet, let it fly. It might have been the only bucket she hit that night, but it was huge. AJ gets a, a three-pointer with 8.54 to play, gives you a 10-point lead. Right. And here we go. You know they're coming. As right. you said, it's a mid-south. Of course, everybody's going to make a comeback. Sure, there's going to be a run. They it's cut it to two, 51 or 50 to 48 with 5'11 to play. Again, the benefit of playing so many close games all year long. So what we what we talk about, right, and, and just to we step back to the Campbellsville game at the end, because I don't know that we wrapped that one, that one up as much. So when we get into the fourth quarter there, 
it was about we had two timeouts left. So with that 10 point lead or, or it got to 10 there, like we have to hold on to these. We're going to have to manage this game however it goes. But if we can get to where we need to be with under a minute with two timeouts, we can manage this game and get it home. And you did exactly that. Nine out of 10 from the free throw line in the fourth quarter. Bailey Frazier, six out of six from the field. Uh, AJ, two out of two from the field. And Morgan, one out of two from the field for your nine out of 10. Right. And, and in this game with, with Freed Hardman, it was about we weren't – we had at least three, if not all four of our timeouts going in the fourth quarter, right? And so we knew, again, let's get it to a manageable point, right? If we can execute early on uh, – we'll be able to advance the ball and and put this one away too. I want to wrap up this section with a quick question. You just had a huge kind of program defining type of win in some ways over Campbellsville. Going into that game last night, were there any worries about will there be a letdown? Well, from from coaches, yeah. I mean, we, we try to cover all our bases and we want to make sure that our kids, you know, we didn't do a whole lot on Sunday. We couldn't do a whole lot right. coming off of that game. You know, we get in the gym, we get some shots up. We, we go through our offense and what we want to run. And, and then, you know, we talk about, you know, some of the actions they're going to run. And then, you know, we break it down and it's let's go play. So there's that concern. But what they did as, as a group, and this is the credit to them, is that they carried over the momentum that they had and the focus and the determination uh, to get the job done into last night. And, and that's. University of Pikeville fans are well acquainted with the NAIA's national tournament, but last year and underwent a significant change, which then had to be modified because of the impact of the COVID virus. Coach Williams and I discussed the national tournament, how it has changed from years past, and what the Mid-South Conference might expect this year in terms of the number of teams it might have represented in the national field. Coach wanted to switch gears with you at this point. The NAIA, up until the last couple of years, had a long-standing tradition. 32 teams that came from across the country to a, a centralized location and played essentially a five-game tournament that spread out over the course of a week and a half. That's not the way it's done now. What is the structure of the NAIA national tournament now, and how does it unfold? Well, let's see if I can answer that question without being making this confusing. The 32-team tournament was based on two separate divisions within the NAI. There's a Division One, which is about 96, 98 teams, and then the remainder of the 200-plus teams in the NAI on the women's side um, were Division Two. So there was two separate tournaments, national tournaments. They have since, and what's gone transpired now, is they've combined those divisions into one division, so we've got 232 some odd teams competing for one championships. So the field has expanded similar to the old NCAA format to a 64 team tournament. Um, there are smaller host sites for the first two rounds. And then the final site, the quarterfinals to the championship game are now in Sioux Falls, Iowa. Without getting really complicated with that, that's, that's the new format. Yeah. So there'll be 16 host locations, first round and second round? Yes, those first two games will be played. So the winners from those 16 sites will go to Iowa. Take a look at, uh, talk about our conference, the Mid-South Conference. 
and, and what its aspirations could be just from your perspective sitting here today with, with a couple of weeks in the regular season uh, to, still to unfold and the conference tournament to follow. What does the Mid-South Conference potentially look like in terms of a national tournament? I mean, it's hard to say. There's just going to be so much movement between four and nine, mm -hmm. maybe even three and nine uh, within the conference standings here in the next several weeks. Right. That once we get into the tournament, you know, we'll have two automatic bids. But do we have four teams that go on to the national tournament or six for a total of eight? Um, now, for those that don't know, why do we have two automatic bids? Because we're, we have a 12-team conference. If you have a minimum of 10 teams in your conference, you get two automatic bids. So with 12, we get two. Having the automatic bids is good, but now that we have strength of schedule and RPI and then net efficiency and all these analytics that go involved that are involved in the decision making, um, I've heard I've heard conversations where you, they expect possibly eight to nine teams go to the national tournament out of the mid south. I'm not sure. Um, if that'll be the case, but that would be fantastic if it was. And in the NCAA, there's a rule that you cannot face a team from your conference until you get to the elite eight, if at all possible. Do you, would you expect that there's a similar concept in place so that no two conference teams for the Mid-South Conference would be sent to the same pod of the 16 I, teams of, you know, 16 sites? And there's a couple of ways, right? So if there are more teams that go from the conference, the possibility of that happening go up. Sure. Right. Um, so if you're really trying to balance that out, we may lose the number of teams that actually go trying to keep that that balance where that doesn't happen. Um, certainly, I think the people, the schedulers will look at it and they're like, you know, they try to avoid those matchups in those first two rounds. But if we've got teams that win in advance, it's going to happen at some point. The Bears' schedule for the week to come called for an interesting scenario in which they would make a day trip to Thomas More on Thursday, February the 3rd, host Shawnee State University on Saturday, February the 5th, and then travel to play their conference travel partner, the University of the Cumberlands, on Monday, February the 7th. However, ice and snow expected in the Northern Kentucky area on Thursday altered the team's plans. The team's game with Thomas More was postponed for a later date, most likely Monday, February the 14th. Coach Williams and I discussed the remaining upcoming games with Shawnee State and the team's travel partner, the University of the Cumberlands. Talk to us about Shawnee State. What, what have you seen out of them since the first time you played them, and what do you expect to be the same? What do you expect to be different? Well, uh, not sure how they would defend us. I expect it to be a, a fast-paced game. Uh, it's an athletic group. I'm not sure what their numbers are. They only had six, seven players last time we played them. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of film. Uh, I will be watching film on them tomorrow and and Friday, So uh, and then on Thursday as well. So um, can't say exactly what, what I, I – I expect it to be a tough game for us just because it's sandwiched in between Thomas Moore and Cumberland's. For the people that don't know what a travel partner is, unpack that a little bit. Travel partners are essentially a, a way to set up a conference schedule. Our travel partner is the University of the Cumberlands, Williamsburg, Kentucky. So let's say we're going to play Campbellsville 
and their travel partner is Georgetown. So if we're going to Campbellsville on that very same trip, Cumberland's would be going to Georgetown and on Thursday. And then on Saturday, we would flip. That's essentially how that works. Um, and, you know, sometimes that changes, you know, year to year based on changes within the conference. But uh, currently, that's how that works. And in terms of scheduling, you play your travel partners on Monday nights because that's they're usually in closer proximity so that you can make a trip to each other's campuses. Is that right? Oh, well, it is, but we're such an outlier. That's still a three-hour trip for us to go to Williamsburg to play. Um, and, but it is a day trip for us. We'll travel that same day on that Monday. I believe they feel like they let one get away from them here. And so they probably got that one circled a little bit on their calendar. Sure. Um, you know, they're trying to maintain their standings in, in the conference. I believe they're top three or four right now in the rankings. We're trying to take them down a peg. Like, like this is a game we played there last year. We feel like we let one get away there. Yeah. We know what the matchup's like. It's going to be a heavy transition game. They're going to shoot an absolute ton of threes. Um, our transition defense is going to be key. Uh, defending the three-point line and chasing them off will be key defensively for us. And then going down in there and knocking down shots, um, mid-range, three-point ball, uh, winning the paint. They're going to be tough, but we can go in there and win the paint. And if we do those things, we give ourselves a really good chance. And that's all you ask on the road, right? Hey, you know, we, in this conference, when big picture wise, you know, you want to be able to split on the road and hold serve at home. And if you do that, you give yourself an excellent chance, not only to be in the top four in the conference, but to compete in the conference tournament and make the national tournament. Welcome back to At The Horn. Some of the best women's basketball in the NAIA is being played right here in the Mid-South Conference. Let's look at the conference standings as of Friday, February the 4th. And as we do, we will find that two of the nation's most highly ranked teams, Thomas Moore and Campbellsville, are leading the way. Thomas Moore, the number one team in the nation, is still undefeated in conference play with a record of 14-0 and 21-1 overall. Campbellsville is currently number four in the nation, but that looks to change in the next poll after the Tigers have dropped a couple of recent decisions. They are now 11-3 in the conference, 19-3 overall. From this point on, things tighten up in the standings considerably. Georgetown sits at number three with a conference record of 9-7 and seven and an overall record of 16-8. and eight. Lindsay Wilson, who received votes in the last national poll, is currently number four with a 12-9 and nine overall record and seven and six in the conference. UT Southern and Cumberland's check in tied for the number five spot with an eight and seven conference record. Tennessee Southern is 13 and eight overall, while the Patriots of the Cumberland's are 15 and eight. Reed Hardeman and Bethel are tied for seventh with a seven and eight conference mark. Reed is 15 and eight overall, Bethel 13 and 10. The Bears of U Pike are currently ninth in the conference with a mark of six and nine in the conference, 12 and 10 overall. The Bears are in contention to host a first-round tournament game, just one game back of Freed Hardeman and Bethel, both of whom they will play later this season. In 10th place, we find the Phoenix of, the Cumber of Cumberland University. Their 5-9 and nine conference mark puts them a half game behind Pikeville. Shawnee State is 11th at 3-10 and 10 in the conference, and Life University remains in last place with a 2-13 and 13 conference record. With these standings in mind, Let's chat with Coach Williams about the Mid-South Conference postseason tournament and how the conference records impact the seeding in that tournament. 
We've talked throughout the season on the podcast. The top four teams in the regular season uh, will receive an automatic buy into the quarterfinals of the conference tournament. Thomas Moore seems to basically locked up one of those bid, uh, one of those four seeds. Campbellsville certainly is still in the driver's seat, but they've lost a couple of games recently, including the defeat that you handed them. Uh, but from three on, it's it's as you said earlier, three through nine, there's going to be a lot of movement. After last night's win, I think seven through nine were tied at six and eight. Um, and then the two teams above that were maybe one or two games out or ahead of that, ahead of us. It's going to be a battle down the stretch. It really will be. And, and the fight is to be five through eight. Right. So you to host, host that first round game. And, and this is where everybody's jockeying for position because, you know, to, to go on the road, we finished the regular season on the road. Right. And it, it we put, the conference tournament will be on that Monday following that Saturday game. So if we have to go on the road, we're potentially talking about going from a road game Thursday, a road game Saturday, followed by a road, a road game, game on Monday. Monday and don't know where that would be. This is why we stay laser focused game to game. Um, because as long as as long as we continue to climb, we will position ourselves five through eight. Welcome back to At the Horn. Let's take a moment to update some key statistics thus far in the Bears season. The Bears are currently averaging 74.9 points per contest while giving up 69.3, an average margin of differential of a plus 5.6 points per contest. From the field, the Bears are shooting 41.6% while holding their opponents to 40.9%. From the three-point line, Upike is shooting 33.5%, draining an average of 5.8 three-pointers per contest, while their opponents are shooting 28.8% and averaging 5.6 trays a game. In free-throw shooting, the Bears are 318 of 418. 76.1%, averaging 14.5 free throws made per contest. And their opponents are 256 of 349, 73.4% from the stripe, averaging 11.6 free throws made each game. Morgan Stamper continues to lead the Bears in rebounding, and as such, Pikeville is out-rebounding their opponents 40.1 to 31 rebounds a game, a margin of plus 9.1 per contest. In terms of individual statistics, here are some that may interest you. The Bears' balance offense finds only two players averaging in double figures at this time, but three right on the precipice. Mary Englert, the senior from Madeira, Ohio, is averaging 15.4 points per game. Morgan Stamper, 14.6. Bailey Frazier checks in with 9.7. A.J. Reed, 9.5. And the Williamsburg, Kentucky senior Sierra Feltner, 9.1. The top four Bears in terms of field goal percentage with a minimum of 75 attempts are Morgan Stamper, 49.6. Freshman Leanna McNulty, right on her heels, 49.5. Georgia Sideri, 44.9. And Bailey Frazier, the junior from Wise, Virginia, with 41.1% from the field. The team's leading three-point shooters with at least 30 attempts on the season are A.J. Reed, 44.3%. Georgia Sideri, 43.6%, and Sierra Feltner, 32.2%.
A good free-throw shooting team, the Bears are led from the charity stripe by A.J. Reed. The senior from Maysville, Kentucky, checks in with 93.8% of the free-throws made on the season, 30 out of 32. Bailey Frazier is 52 of 57 on the season for 91.2%. And Mary Englert, 83.7%, 72 of 86 on the season. We've mentioned Morgan Stamper's outstanding efforts in rebounding, currently averaging 12.3 per game making her one of the nation's leading rebounders. Mary Inglet checks in with an average of 6.4 rebounds per contest. Sierra Feltner, 4.9, and Bailey Frazier, 4.8. Now, normally, this would be where we'd end our segment. But in our conversation this week, Coach Williams had some really good insights about how the team is playing well together and how they're celebrating each other's success. And I thought you would want to hear this. We've won several what, four Conference Player of the Weeks. This past week, we did not win, but we had a player that was deserving of winning. Um, 31 points on Monday at Lindsey Wilson. 16, 16 points, seven rebounds. At Georgetown. And then goes to Campbellsville points, on Saturday. 23 points and four assists. And who she did it against. Yeah, you know, I don't know that there's anybody that can convince me that Mary Engler was not the conference player of the week this past week in the Mid-South. I mean, I get it, but I don't. And so shout out to Mary and her teammates uh, for a, a great performance th- this past week. And great leadership. We sat down before the game last night and I was sitting on the bench, we're waiting for the game to start and I pull her aside, you know, and, and those kids pay attention to that. They know, right? She knows what kind of week she had. She needs to hear it. I made sure she heard it before that game last night. So go back and look at her numbers from last night. What did she do? How efficient was she? 13 points, six of 12 from the field. A three-pointer, one-on-one from the three-point line, and 10 rebounds and an assist. Two steals as well. Let me turn over. One. Yeah, one assist, one turnover, two steals. Mary's on a roll. One block shot. Mary's on a roll right now. She's playing really well. Morgan is going to be in the hunt, if not the top vote getter for player of the year in the Mid-South with the performance that she's put up consistently. Um, Almost a double-double every night. It's 15. Yeah. Or, or 50, I think the number's at 15 right now. So as a sophomore, I mean, it's huge. Right. Her performance is, is huge. And it's and it's helped, you know, it's helped us to be where we are today. But all of that is a testament to this group staying locked in and, and continuing to compete night in and night out. I guess the phrase is, is, is that you, you want your the other players to feed off of it to feed off of the energy that she brings every day. You know, she drives competition in practice. You get, we get the same thing every night in a game, you know, she battles. So we battle, right? Like she, Bailey Frazier's a better rebounder. You know, Leanna McNulty is a better post player and a better rebounder. Her progress you know, through the year has been fun to watch. Absolutely. And, 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 you know, she's, She's become more tenacious. She's a lot less tentative than when we first put her in right. earlier in the year. Right. You know, and, and and she's she's starting to really understand what it takes from a physical standpoint to play. 
you know, in the post in this league. We, you want kids to celebrate one another. Sure. This game is hard. Yep. And and it's still a game and you still want it to be fun. And and so, you know, we define success in a whole lot of different ways, but you want to be able to celebrate it. Not only celebrate it in the moment, you know, but but to be able to be able to look back at the end of the year. You know, we talk about the Campbellsville game. That's a moment that they may not remember the score. They may not remember how many points Mary had, but they're going to remember how they felt in that locker room. They're going to remember how they felt on that court when that buzzer went off. They're going to remember how they felt when former teammates are FaceTiming them in the locker room. That's what that is about. It's about those memories. Thanks for joining us on this episode of At The Horn. But before we go, we want to update the Buckets for Backpacks Challenge. For those who may be unfamiliar with the challenge, Coach Williams donates $1 for every two or three-point bucket the team makes to the Backpack Ministry of Pikeville United Methodist Church and challenges others to do the same. The ministry addresses the issue of food insecurity for children in our community who rely on schools to provide meals for them and may not have food at home over the weekend by providing low preparation food items for the children to take home with them when they leave school at the end of the week. This past week saw the Bears sink 25 buckets against Georgetown, 21 against Campbellsville, and 19 against Freed Hardeman. That now brings the season total to 655 buckets, with Coach Williams having donated that amount to Pikeville United Methodist Church. And we are happy to report that as of this moment, every bucket has been matched. Thank you one and all. If you'd like more information about how to match an upcoming game, a week, or even the entire season, or want more information about the program as a whole, you could call Pikeville United Methodist Church, area code 606-437-7315, or email the church at office.pumc, which is short for Pikeville United Methodist Church, office.pumc at gmail.com. If you wish to donate by check, make the check payable to Pikeville United Methodist Church, and put buckets for backpacks in the memo, and you can place that in the mail to PUMC, P.O. Box 311, Pikeville, Kentucky, 41502. Hey, thanks for joining us today. And join us next week as we bring you another edition of At the Horn. And as always, Go Bears! Go Bears!